welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, I'm Chip Patterson. That's Barton Simmons. We haven't been canceled yet, Barton. We're still rolling. They, you know, they the the bosses heard that your prediction that Mississippi State was going to go nine and three, and they don't think that we're crazy. They don't. Uh, I thought <laughs> you were going to say that they that we're now on probation, and uh, if we don't start shaping up, that we're going to get fired after SEC East. But that's good. I'm glad we got some Mississippi State homers in the home office. Yes, absolutely. Um, when we're looking at the SEC East, before we get into these win totals, and by the way, we're going to be using the South Point Sportsbook numbers, but if, you know, we're also just trying to hear as you know, Media Days week is continuing to unfurl, uh, just sort of get a handle of where each of these teams are. We will be continuing this later in the month. Uh, with a look at the ACC. We will follow that up with the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12, all using the over-under win totals just to get a gauge of where these teams are at uh, because you know we got to start making picks now just so we can be in full midseason form to give you all those against-the-spread winners come early September. The difference between the SEC East and the SEC West, the distance between these two divisions, um, from your experience as the national director of scouting for 24-7 sports, do you think that what we have seen in terms of on-field results in the recent years between the SEC West and the SEC East, is that reflected in the recruiting? Because when we're, when we're dealing with some of the you know, National Signing Day storylines, I feel like I'm still... You're still seeing Georgia hats on the table getting picked up. You're still seeing uh, Florida up there at the top. Um, you know, you've still got Tennessee, who, uh, in addition to you know being able to build out uh, some of the depth over the last couple of years, has some good players that are still on that roster. Um, and we'll get to the Vols in a little bit. But like, is the we look at the SEC West as being strongly superior? Is that going to continue forever, based on what you've seen from the recruiting trail? I think it's going to continue to trend that way until someone on the SEC East turns into a consistent national power. And I, I mean, we're just not there yet. I mean, look, in, in, in 2017, I mean, four of the top six teams in the SEC were, were West uh, and Georgia was sort of the team that, that cycled up and, and really had a strong class of the top five class. But, but this year in 2018, uh, you know, Georgia's not recruiting as well. Um, you know, Alabama isn't either, though I, I have more confidence in Alabama to 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 see that r- ranking rise than the flip side of that. Uh, you know, so I, look, the, the, the short answer is the talent is still coming to the SEC across the board. Florida is still talented. Tennessee is still talented. Georgia is still talented. I mean, Georgia may be one of the most talented teams in the SEC. We'll, we'll get to them, but... Um, I don't understand why the SEC East can't break through. You throw these seven teams in a in a uh, hat and just you know pull names out. I, I think you could have a good a shot as picking the order finish as uh, you know as we will. It's just it's such an up in the air conference. So this is going to be a tricky win total episode here because man, I feel like any team in the conference can beat any other team. 
All right, we will start right uh, with those Georgia Bulldogs. The over-under win total set at nine. You said uh, you just said Kirby Smart might have one of the most talented rosters in the SEC. Mark Richt uh, wasn't quite able to satisfy the fan base, but uh, he was pretty consistent on that recruiting trail. And it's even though there has been uh, a change in head coach, it seems like. Man, it seems like all the pipelines are still open. Like, number one uh, running back from North Carolina. What's his face? Just committed to Georgia. Yeah, Zamir White. Yeah, it just felt like the Todd Gurley, Keith Marshall experience all over again. I mean, it's just like all the the same the same pipelines are still rolling. The same talent, same caliber of talent uh, is still coming in. Uh, where is your confidence in Kirby Smart as a head coach after one year? Well... It's it's undecided, right? No, and that's that, fair. That like, out? like that's the thing. No, no, it's not a cop out because all throughout history, we've seen stories of coaches who go on to be Hall of Fame coaches having rocky starts. You know, like, and that's where, uh, you know, just here in my backyard, like Duke coach Mike Shashevsky always talks about if we had the current environment that we have now in terms of demanding these instant results that he might not have made it. He might've gotten fired at Duke before he even got a chance to get things rolling. So the, the standard is so much higher uh, than it used to be probably because our, our hot seat wired minds just love to talk about it so much. But I, I think that I still believe that Kirby smart, um, that Kirby smart is, in a position to be a very successful SEC coach and probably a very successful college football coach for a long time, but I don't know if it's going to be possible to meet those Georgia expectations. Well, Kirby's got a big break when when Jacob, we're not sorry, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle came back because I look when when I talk about Georgia. I think it's less about for me. Can I trust Kirby Smart? It's more about can I trust Jacob Eason? Ooh, and you know Jacob Eason is a lot easier to trust with Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle in the backfield, and you know so that that to me is is what is this season about? And not to say I mean Jacob Eason showed a lot of promise last year. I thought he was a good true freshman quarterback. Um, I thought he lived up to his billing as a five star guy that's got world's of potential but he's got to take the next step he he has this this is a really talented defense you know maybe they don't have a receiving core for Jacob Eason that's necessarily proven yet but they should I mean they've got talented guys that were highly recruited uh and and so if if Jacob Eason with a healthy Nick Chubb and a Sony Michelle returning if he can be a guy that is in a, in a typical SEC year, and Chip, I think this is an atypical SEC year. I think the quarterback play is really good, especially relative to last year. But in a typical SEC year, is he a, a top four quarterback? I think that that's going to be the difference between what, you know, is Georgia a 10 or 11 win team or are they a seven or eight win team? Um, and, you know, I'm, I, I, I lean more towards yes. I lean more towards the over uh, at what, nine wins? Nine I think wins, it is. Yeah. You know, I, I lean push to over, um, but I, you know, I really want to see Jacob Easton take a big step forward. Do you think that you uh, have you? I'm sure that we're all, like all of us are for one of the many. Whether it's CBS Sports, whether it's 24 seven Sports, whether it's a video, whether it's a podcast, uh, I'm sure that we're going to be filling out all sorts of uh, 
expert picks and order of finish. Like what I, I am wrestling right now because I like to make up my mind early so that I don't waffle between all the different places that I have to do it. Like I want to have in my head exactly what my answers are going to be. So it yep. remains consistent. And right now, like as we are recording this, I am wrestling with are you going to jump in and are you going to pick this uh are you going to pick the this Georgia win like i and i'm i i'm shying away from it because in the last couple years i just feel like there's two SEC games and this has been Mark Ricks this has been Kirby Smart but i feel like there's two SEC games where the where the Bulldogs just go out there and just lay an egg and I don't, right. I don't know if, I don't know if it's going to be, if there's been enough time to get that out of your system. I mean, all right, you played, I, you've, am I crazy that sometimes those kinds of things can creep up and get in a team system? Well, I think so. I mean, I guess it's consistency. To, it's like, ultimately you're like, I haven't seen proven consistency to think that they're going to go out there across three months and uh, not lose more than two or three games. Chip, you bring me to this point and and tell me what you think about this but does this georgia team feel a little bit like tennessee last year mm. like i i picked tennessee to win the sec east last year it was it was the perfect storm all those four stars and five stars were coming of age uh, they had a new really good defensive coordinator uh, the sec east was still down they returned a bunch of starters and and so they were the sexy pick. Everybody was jumping on board. I did. And they were coming off an, a nine-win season the year before. Georgia now coming off an eight-win season returns, you know, what, 17 starters? You know, they they got their, their quarterback back. They got their Heisman Trophy candidate running back back. Everyone's picking them. They're the most talented team. But – Yet at the end of the day, like who on this roster inspires confidence other than the running backs? Like though, yeah, uh, they they could have one of the best offensive backfields in the conference, but we got to see it. Yeah, I mean they could have one of the best offensive backfields in the country. I mean they, they those guys are if Nick Chubb returns to to form, there's there's not many better. I think I think Saquon Barkley and Darius, Darius Geis are the only two that I would put above him, frankly. Wow. Uh, but so again, I'm I'm leaning over just because I you know I, I sort of fell for this last year with Tennessee, but I just think that there's so much talent there. I think they'll be good enough defense and they'll be improved that I lean them to to you know to to figure it out. But I'm with you. I, I'm not ready to pick them to win the SEC East yet. That may be a a podcast for another day. We'll we'll figure if I can get on board with that. But but at least on the Vegas side of things. I would lean over rather than the under. Well, the next uh, the next highest total that we have, uh, and by the way, we'd, we'd already been a couple of teams deep into the SEC West before we got down to the number eight. But Florida, <laughs> uh, eight wins. And um, I, I look at Florida's season uh, for the over-under win total, and I am thinking this team that has had suspensions – and injuries at the quarterback position. That's really had a lot of injury troubles all over the field. They've got a wild October with LSU, Texas A&M, and Georgia. I think in general, Florida's schedule is kind of manageable, but I am I this this Gators team, you know, okay, so big headlines. We got Malik Zaire coming in at quarterback. Um 
there is a chance for either him or Felipe Franks to be able to generate quarterback play that we have not seen at the University of Florida since a young man named Timmy Tebes was out there uh, breaking all the records back in 2008 and 2009. I look at the defense, and even though they lost a lot, particularly in the defensive backfield, I think they've still been recruiting well enough. Um, this, to me, man, it, it comes down to the health in October, and it comes down to the offensive line and the quarterback. So let's circle back to your quarterback statement. Are you saying that you believe in this quarterback room? Like you – you, I, I couldn't tell if that statement was like a just sort of a hypothetical or was it like, okay, I, Chip Patterson, think they finally have it figured out at quarterback. I don't think they have. I want to. <laughs> I want to, Barton. Like, because, all right, so this was my statement uh, looking at Will Greer. Okay, West Virginia fans, super hyped. Will Greer is going to be eligible. He's going to play right at the beginning of the season. He was very, very good until his PED suspension. But I claim that – some of Will Greer's success, um, but again, very talented player. I do not want to belittle him, but I think that the coaching staff, uh, both from Jim McElwain to Doug Nussmeyer to sort of everybody else who, who takes part in that, they have shown in their limited time at Florida ways to make a lot out of what appears on paper to be very little. And so I feel like knowing that there is – any slight increase and Malik Zaire, man, I don't, I don't know what happened when he came back, but before he went down with that ankle injury, I was a believer, you know, and Felipe Franks, I'm not a believer, but you could talk me into it. I mean, you know him better than, uh, better than I do. Uh, are you not a believer in the quarterback room still? Let, let me tell you all the reasons I don't believe in Malik Zaire. Okay. First of all, Two career starts. Is that right? I think yeah. he got two starts under the belt. Yeah. Uh, he didn't ever win the job. I, mean, I guess he won the job briefly at Notre Dame, but he, he couldn't ever hold on to the job. He got essentially – I mean, he, he left town because he wasn't going to be the starter this year. He's got 800 career passing yards. I, I've never – he's got, what, a couple hundred career rushing yards? Like, I've never seen so much hype over a guy who's done so little. And – and he came into Florida, and and you know he, I, I don't think he ever was the fearless leader at Notre Dame that he was made out to be. I don't think he was ever the the guy that the co the coaching staff had utmost confidence in. Um, he comes to Florida, and you know, you know, at five different points over the course of a couple months. You know, it's either broken or confirmed that he's coming to Florida. And then, you know, all of a sudden after Malik Zaire has done all these stories, like he releases a commitment video like he's 17 years old uh, announcing his commitment to Florida. Like he's 22 years old. You're an adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bart's, I mean, yeah, Bart's you are an the... adult male. <laughs> like you don't need to have a, like a flashy video of you in a Florida shirt saying go Gators or whatever. Like just go do your handle your business. Like. I just don't believe in the guy as as some sort of difference maker. I don't think he makes a difference in the win total. I think whatever they're going to win without Malik Zaire is what they're going to win with Malik Zaire. Now, I don't think he makes them worse. Right. I think he helps their quarterback room. I think he gives them depth. But and I don't. I also don't necessarily believe Felipe Franks is ready right now 
I think he could be the starter and I, he could improve and he could get there. But, you know, I don't – so, you know, long the long and short of it is I think it's the same Florida with the same problems. And that Florida has figured out a way to win the SEC East before. And, you know, it's hard to pick against them doing it again, but it's also hard to, to envision them, you know, with – a 10 or 11 win season. Um, I still think this is an eight or nine win team. And I think they have a shot at winning the sec East yet again, it was eight or nine wins. Yeah. Hey, all right. Uh, who do you think wins Florida, Michigan, Michigan? Ooh. I, yeah. I, so I know Michigan loses everything. Yeah. And, and they got all these guys, you know, but this is going to be a more talented defense than it was last year. They've got a quarterback with more experience than Florida has. I, I think Michigan is going to be pretty impressive in that game. And and I think that's going to be a L to start the year for Florida. I think they'll bounce back and, and have a nice stretch there. You know, they probably win the next four, at least the next three, you know, or, or three of the next four. But I think that, you know, once you get to LSU and once you get to Florida State at the end of the year and, and there's probably another loss somewhere against either South Carolina or Georgia or Tennessee or somebody, maybe at Kroger. Kentucky. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another loss in there somewhere. And so I think that, that this is just not necessarily like a national title or a BCS bowl team. Oh, no, 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 no. But man, I just I started to I started to catch catch some some smells in the air like people are trying to jump on Florida uh like it's going to be a sleeper team to watch. And now I am I mean, obviously, you can see how much of a flip-flopper I am. I haven't made my decision yet, and I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Got Like, are you going to pick the Gators in the East? I might. Like, that's the thing. I just sort of dogged them. But I, like I said, I still might pick them in the East. And it's just because that's just who Florida is. They're just surviving. It's, it's like they're just surviving right now until they get their quarterback. And I, don't, I still don't think they've gotten their quarterback. I also worry that they're not recruiting right now at the – elite level that we're used to seeing in Florida that they're they're recruiting sort of top 15 top eight kind of in that range sure which is good but it's not necessarily the top five classes that we're, we're you know we were competing for before so you know and I, I because of that I think at some point we're going to see that catch up to them I don't know if this is the year but because they still have, I think Jabari Zuniga is, is, is a badass. I think CC Jefferson is, is really good. Oh, Zuniga's the pass rusher. He's sick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. They still got some dudes. You know, they still have those dudes on defense. Uh, and now they got some really good receivers, too. Um, but I just, again, it's just, uh, it's hard for me to get fully on board with them. Um, I, I'm, you know, we'll see what happens. Tennessee's over under set at seven and a half. Um, the the popular belief is that the window of opportunity. You just talked about picking Tennessee last year because everything uh, shaped up so well for them. There is a belief that the window of opportunity was last year and the year before, and that window has been opened and it has shut. I have a theory that some of the injury issues that really uh, hurt Tennessee last season in its pursuit of trying to win the SEC East, it forced some highly rated but young players onto the field early. And while I'm not, uh, you know, while I don't know if this is definitely going to change 
their entire season or their ability to win the SEC East. I do think that as we're picking them over under at seven and a half, one of the main things that I'm hanging my hat on is the idea that since Tennessee and Butch Jones' staff have been recruiting pretty well and since some backups had to play a lot of time last year, that there might be a little bit of a bump or a little bit of a boost, particularly uh, when trying to make a pick against the public opinion, which, you know, of course, is going to factor into the odds makers. Chip, we're on the same page here, man. I, I, I've, I've, I've talked myself into Tennessee. The more, I, the more I look at Tennessee, the more I've, I've kind of – I start to feel like this might be the, the team last year was supposed to be in, in some ways. Like, so I think Butch Jones last year, you mentioned all the injuries. that They were brutal. I mean, they, they were absolutely brutal. But I also think that Butch Jones was coaching more of a front-running team it was a roster of guys. The expectations were so high. A bunch of four and five star guys, like they were supposed to be so good, and and I don't think Butch Jones had ever coached a team with that kind of persona. Ooh, and interesting. This this team is different, right? Like this is the team that okay, now everyone's doubting these guys. Yeah, the chip on the shoulder uh, approach. It's back. Yeah. yeah. Now now they have to prove it to people, and on top of that, this isn't an untalented group that has to prove it. Like if you look at just like the projected starting lineup, nine of their eleven starters were four and five star recruits. That's not to say that that means they're four and five star college players. I mean, you never know, obviously. But again, the point is, these are guys that are supposed to be good. These are guys where it's like, look, and they've been served some humble pie, and so now it's like, look, you guys got a choice. You can either man up and 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 prove it, and or you can you know, you can be a disappointment. And so I think that there's a lot of that in this Tennessee team. There's a lot of that in this Tennessee staff. Bob Shoup was considered one of the you know, best defensive coordinators in the game. Last year, their defense was was bad. You know, he's going to want to prove it. Uh, he's a blue-collar guy. He's, I think their defense is going to, after a year in, is going to adopt more of his blue-collar mentality. You know, Larry Scott, their OC, Again, like kind of a guy people were were rolling their eyes at getting the OC job. Well, he's got something to prove. Butch Jones obviously does. I just think, and their offensive line suddenly is really good. Um, you know, all is that it, to say, I, I just think this team could they could they could find something this year. Grand Valley State to Cincinnati. No, I mean I like it. I hadn't thought about that. That Butch Jones might be better suited playing some of the underdog role. I, I think he's you know. This team is going to be more equipped to be the, hey, everyone's overlooking us. Let's go out and prove them wrong. Then oh, you guys are you, – let's, let's go play for a national title this year. You know, that, that kind of thing. Like this is our year. To, to, it's finally here. Like the pressure for the players is not on them anymore. It's, it's still on Butch. But for the players, it's, the pressure's off. Hey, let's go and prove the haters wrong. It's uh, it is uncommon to have a feeling as a uh, as a college football so-called expert, pundit, talking head, writer, whatever the heck we are. <laughs> it is uncommon to be slightly optimistic about Kentucky football in early July. Man, our over under is set at seven, and I don't think I would dare pick the under. What's wrong with me? Like, am I taking crazy pills here? Like, is this is is this um, like the the belief 
from what I can tell, lies not only in the breakthrough last season, but in some of the competitiveness that they have shown building up to this moment. You know, if you you got the uh, lose big, lose small, win small, win big, and I really feel like there is a sense that Stoops has crossed this program over. I mean, there I don't think Kentucky football is going to get to the win big, but they are making the move from lose small to win small. And at it over under at seven, I don't like my, my pick is going to be push. And I, I think that like that Mississippi state game is certainly one that I feel like could break this either way. And I think that game's just going to be uh, a video game and so much fun. Like why are, are you going against the grain? Or are you also on the uh, a little bit excited about Kentucky football train? Yeah. Well, I mean, a, you're not crazy. I mean, what they return, 17 starters off a team that was playing pretty good football in the year. They got their, their running back back, their quarterback back. They got almost their entire, their entire defense back. But here, here's my thing with, with Kentucky. So someone in the SEC East is going to be better but, but win fewer games. It's, it's just some, someone's going to take a step back that it is going to take a step back despite probably being better because I think every team in the SEC East, with the possible exception of Florida, is thinks they're going to be improved. Ooh. They think they're going to be better this year than last year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's only you but know? so many wins to go around. Like everyone a, can get better, but that doesn't mean that everyone's win total goes up. Exactly. There's only so many wins to go around. And here's, you know, with Kentucky – I still don't know that Steven Johnson at quarterback is – I mean, I think he's he proved he's capable last year. But in, in, a, in a conference that is taking what I think is a big step forward at quarterback, um, I'm not sure I put Steven Johnson in that sort of upper tier in the league. Um, the running back is a stud, Benny Snell. But, man, you know, if, if they keep on loading him up like they did late in the year, you know, I wonder if he's going to be – you know, if, if he gets injured, for instance, I mean, someone's going to have an injury somewhere along the way. And so if Benny Snell gets injured, who's behind him? You know, they got a couple guys that carried the rock last year. But, um, you know, I don't know that anybody that can do quite what Benny Snell can do. Um, Jeff Bidette's gone. Their leading receiver transferred. I still like their offensive line. Obviously, their defense is good. But I come back to, to – I got to pick someone to, 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 you know, be a little bit disappointing. Um, and I think Kentucky could be that team. Now, here's my X factor for Kentucky. Lynn Bowden. Who? Uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you heard that name floating around yet, Chip. No, nah, I haven't. Here's the this is a true freshman who's coming in who was he's this kind of do everything athlete who I really think I mean Kentucky sort of stole him out of Ohio. Um one of these guys that that probably is he's the talent level where he typically ends up in an Alabama or an Ohio State or a USC, and and somehow Kentucky was able to pull him, and I think this could be like the most impactful true freshman in America. Wow! Um, so if Lynn Bowden comes in and and plays some running back and plays some wildcat quarterback and plays some receiver and becomes that sort of second threat that is really can scare. SEC defenses, then suddenly, like I'm, I'm, I'm rethinking things. I'm recalibrating a little bit, and I could see Kentucky being that, you know, being a team that can knock some people off. 
Um, so, you know, my, my tentative pick is pushed to under with the, the caveat that I think it's a better team, but I think the rest of the SEC improves a little bit more than Kentucky improves. But look, I, I do really like what, what Mark Stoops has done, and, and it's, it's hard not to like this team. Uh, I just got to pick someone to go under, right? Yeah, you, I, I, I appreciate the integrity that you bring to this exercise <laughs> by uh, like not hitting all overs or all unders. Lynn Bowden, by the way, uh, on one side, misspelled a jazz legend from the 1930s, uh, spelled correctly, L-Y-N-N. Yes, I see now a four-star athlete coming out of Ohio. Lynn Bowden. Gems, dude. Just jewels getting dropped. All right, Missouri's over-under win total set at six. Uh, I would love to be proven wrong, but I'm just not sold on Missouri as a bowl team for this fall. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't disagree with you there. I, I think to me the you know they're as good as as Terry Beckner. I think Terry Beckner, who's who's torn his ACL the past two years, is back. He's a defensive interior guy. I think if he's a full speed Terry Beckner, then that really helps their whole defense. I mean, Marcel Frazier's is is going to be a really good edge rusher um but again i i think if terry beckner can be just like a guy that demands attention in the middle then that defense will be improved and that's the key they have to be a better defense because when you look at their offensive personnel they're returning 10 starters i think everyone on their offensive line comes back they've got the only they're only they are the only team in the conference that returns a, a thousand yard rusher a thousand yard receiver and like a 3,000-yard passer or whatever Drew Locke threw for. Uh, you know, so they've got some guys to score some points. Oh, yeah. And Barry, Barry Odom is a, is a defensive coach. It's a weird thing that they were as bad as they were last year on defense. Um, so I think even, even with Missouri, you know, they're an afterthought right now. But, but I don't know. I mean, people better take them seriously when they show up. Um, and – because I do, I do think this team quietly has some really good p- players. The thing, uh, the X factor for me with Missouri is going to be how they, how they convert. Because no one in the league, they put up 500 yards per game last year. You know, they ran 80 plays per game. Yeah. Uh, but uh, football study hall, Bill Connolly and crew, they run a stat of points per trip inside the 40. And Missouri was just very middling, number fifty-two nationally. Like they got to get, like they got to get, they are getting in position, but then they got to get uh, points, and they can't be field goals. They got to be touchdowns, and that's where having all those players back certainly has got to give you some kind of boost. And I, 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 I would love to see, um, I would love to see it work out because um, that. Missouri's time in the SEC is weird, right? Like it, they came in, they were just like a force for two years. Yeah. Then yeah. you just like jump off a cliff, and I'm I'm curious to see you know how how they land. I'd like to see them find some some firm footing over there in the SEC East. Well, they operate over here in this island. It's sort of they're they're you know they're not Texas. They're not really SEC country. They're almost Midwest and. And so they're sort of almost the forgotten team and no one really knows what to expect out of them because they recruit different players than the rest of the SEC. They're not really battling for the same guys. And, you know, my, my question for the Bill Connolly stat is, all right, 
that you know that sounds well and good, but I, what were they the year before in, in any of those offensive yeah. stats? Because Drew Locke, you know, I keep talking about the SEC quarterback play going to be continue to 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 be better this year. Drew Locke's trajectory, I mean, he was pretty horrible as a true freshman. But he wasn't supposed to play. Matty Mock was supposed to have it. Exactly. But yeah. he was thrown into the fire, and he survived, and he got a little bit better as the year went on, and he flashed talent. I mean, the arm was never a doubt. This is a four-star guy who was a U.S. Army All-American. He could have played at Missouri as a basketball player if he wanted to. He's got athleticism. And now, and last year, it was he broke out. And not this, you know, they, the offense wasn't perfect. But they put up big numbers, and Drew Locke really took a huge step forward. If he if he can take a fraction of the step forward this year that he did last year, then all of a sudden you got one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Yeah, and, and so that I think is an X factor. <clears throat> you know, not is Drew Locke a good quarterback? I think he is, but is he a great quarterback? Um, and if he's a great quarterback and he has a really good offensive line, which is what I think Missouri's offensive line is, then suddenly like this is a team that's is is, is all of a sudden, pretty scary. And so then it boils back down to can their defense stop someone? And I think that boils down to Terry Beckner. It's a big domino train, but I am you like Missouri. By Missouri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I am, uh, I'm, you know, constantly working my own thoughts, and I, I like that take. It's making me uh, more confident in Missouri. You know, we, we got to move teams up, got to move teams down. That makes me more confident in Missouri and less confident in our next team, Vanderbilt which has an over-under set at six, where I am hanging uh, a lot on Ralph Webb, who could go down as one of the most productive running backs in SEC history. He won't touch Herschel Walker's record, but uh, yeah, he could, if if he matches last year's production, he could end up like number two or number three on the SEC's all-time list. And he may have gotten it four yards at a time, but doggone it, he's still running. Uh Man, I you know you Derek Mason, great. Uh, the the Georgia win obviously is what I go back to last season and sort of circle that as such a huge moment. And and you know when you're finally talking about becoming bowl eligible, uh, certainly was played a big role in that math. But you know Derek Mason as a defensive coach, you respect him. Ralph Webb, an understandably sturdy workhorse at running back. But if we've got to move teams up, I don't have many other reasons to be confident in Vanderbilt beyond that. I agree with you. I, <clears throat> I, I'll put Vanderbilt in the improved on the field, but not in the win column category. Mm, yep. Uh, you know, I think, first of all, James Franklin had it figured out at Vanderbilt that you're already playing in the SEC and you're playing against a stacked deck, and you take wins anywhere you can get them. So schedule the MAC, schedule the Sun Belt, get some W's out of conference. Well, Derek Mason, and and you know, respect him for it, but he's had a little bit different approach, or he's allowed the AD anyways to schedule some some better teams. I mean, Kansas State is a non-conference team. I just I don't know why you want to play them if you're Vanderbilt. That's a tough game. Uh, you know that's that's going to be a tough win. They also got at Middle Tennessee State and they got Western Kentucky at home, which are, are very winnable games. I mean, they could win all three of those games, but they could also lose all three of those games. They're also all losable games. So um, I think that that's tough that they don't have just a, a sweep in the non-conference. 
And and you know, I think the other Vanderbilt issue is is that they've just been so unpredictable to me. And so I, I can I could see them being like improved and all of a sudden the Stanford stuff starts to crystallize and and they are Stanford of the East. Um, but I don't know that I expect that. And they're still playing the SEC East. And while they were so improved last year, you know, they lost a lot on defense. Uh, they did play a lot of young guys. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm sort of, as I, as I talk through this, like they're, they're just such a hard team to peg because I do think they've got some, some reason for optimism offensively and, and Kyle Shermer is, is developing steadily. Um, I just think again, in the whole category of like someone has to, to, to lose some games. Uh, I don't have more confidence in Vanderbilt than I do some of these other teams in the SEC East, including the team we're about to talk about. My my other one caveat there is I'm in Nashville. Um, you know, I was I was talking to a Vanderbilt coach here recently, and I just sort of was like, "Hey, how you know how are you guys going to be this year?" Or sort of threw it out casually in conversation, and and there was like a real um, sly confidence in his answer I think there's a lot of confidence on West End right now this is the first time since Derek Mason's been there that the whole staff has has stayed there's continuity so vibes are just good good vibes and and they've got everyone in the system you know everyone's now they're not just the you know the 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 older guys are, are coaching the younger guys they all understand it um so they they're confident. They're really confident at Vanderbilt, and and that certainly counts for something. Um, I just got to look at all these other teams. I got to find some wins for them, and and I'm not sure I see whatever the what's the number for Vanderbilt six five yeah. and a half six six. I just don't know if I see above six. I can see them getting to six, but I, I'm not sure if I see over six. Now we got to talk about Beamer, Benz, or Bentley. This is this is our dude. This is my dude. I I I have. The, the teams that are listed at the bottom of the South Point win totals in both the West and the East have quarterbacks that I love. I am irrational about Jake Bentley. <laughs> I think so. I, but the problem is, is you've introduced this idea that South Carolina could be better, but then see a drop in for South Carolina. They're over under set at five. That would indicate a step back from last season when Will Muschamp was able to get this team uh, to a bowl game. What's your general, like, like how would, how do you describe Will Muschamp to someone who'd be like, what kind of coach is Will Muschamp? Like, do you think that uh, this is for him uh, a face that we have, you know, become so accustomed to in the SEC somewhere? Like, is he going to be at South Carolina for a couple years? Like, is he going to be there for a while? And how much confidence do you have in this Gamecocks team being able to make it back to the postseason? Dude, there's so much to unpack with South Carolina. Uh, I'm with you on Bentley. I'm going to answer your Will Muschamp question first. So Will Muschamp to me is one of the most misrepresented, I think is maybe the word I'm looking for, or misunderstood maybe coaches in, in college football like there's this I think that you know a lot of people nationally were underwhelmed by the hire of Will Muschamp in South Carolina because he couldn't win at Florida how's he gonna win at South Carolina um you know he's this red-faced yeller that that's just sort of looks like a meathead on the sidelines I I actually think Will Muschamp's a really good coach 
And his problem at, at Florida was just he never he could never get the offense figured out. And he you know he hired Charlie Weiss, which was probably a it was bad bad idea huge mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's some you bad know, idea genes right there. Yeah, if if you wanna if you wanna blame him, you know, pin something on him, pin him on being a bad OC hire. Um, but he's found an OC that he is comfortable with now, uh, and and somebody that. I think has proven in Kurt Roper that can be uh, a, a really good OC and, and has, has shown some flashes. And, and so I think their offense is going to be okay. And, and I think their defense is going to be really good because Will Muschamp is really good at defense. Uh, and when you dig into what's actually on their roster, I agree Jake Bentley has a chance to be a superstar. Rico Dowdle, who started playing midway through the season last year as a true freshman, looked outstanding in flashes. Brian Edwards, true freshman last year, big receiver on the outside, looked outstanding, going to take a step forward. Debo Samuels, Debo Samuel is the go-to guy, so he's even better. Hayden Hurst, high NFL draft pick, is, is very possible for their tight ends. Their offensive line's improved. I just look at this roster, and I'm, I'm thinking, how in the world did Vegas come up with five wins? Right. I, I, what's, what am I missing is what I'm saying. I think – that South Carolina is more likely to win the SEC East than they are to miss a bowl. Whoa! Nice. I mean, I got is that is that insane? I mean, you're yelling. Is that insane? Am I wrong? Sky Moore is another tipping point for me. I think Sky Moore is tremendous. Like and so experienced, so good, and can like I don't want to use uh you know too many cliches, but like. If, if he and Muschamp and the defensive staff are all on the same page, you're just not going to tell me that when you get into these games and the you know the difference between the SEC East top to bottom, like I'm expecting a lot of very tight games and I am going to count on Sky Moore as a reason to believe in the Gamecocks for being able to squeeze out some of these tight games. If, if for people that haven't watched a lot of South Carolina – and and they didn't see Sky Moore last year because he missed the whole year with injury. Sky Moore is is one of the the most fun defensive players to watch in the SEC. He's everywhere. Okay. He, go, he he's is everywhere. everywhere. He he is such a beast. And and you know they've got pretty much everybody back in the secondary except they may be starting a true freshman at at safety. And maybe they're overhyping him. But Will Muschamp saying this kid Jalen Dickerson is one of the best safeties he's ever seen or something you know and and so I just think that this team is going to be well coached I think that they've got a really good quarterback and I think that they have the pieces in place to be really good I think when I ultimately I I picked them something like seven wins is sort of a not to go overboard sort of pick it's like I you know I went nine wins for Mississippi State on their five win total last week or, or, or the SEC West podcast but I'm picking more like seven or eight for South Carolina, but I, I could see them, you know, I could see them competing for an SEC East title. I, I, I it, it wouldn't shock me if they were that good this year. They're going to beat NC State. So here's NC State's going to have a good team, though. But I just I, I don't know that just that seems like something that both of those teams would do. All right. This is so this is kind of like you bring up a great point. Like, all right, you're in Raleigh. You've got an idea about what NC State looks like. I actually picked them to lose to NC State, 
lose at Missouri, and then like run the table until Georgia <laughs> and Florida and like go you know seven and six and lose to Clemson. So, but that's just that's just what the like, that's the craziness of the SEC East. I just think there's so many weird things that could happen to where this thing is just a mess, and you don't know you know if if they start out zero and two, I guarantee you everyone is and they could. Everyone would be giving up on South Carolina, but they could still bounce back and beat everyone else on their schedule until like Clemson. And so it's just going to be a wild SEC East season. And, and I, I mean, who, who the hell knows what's going to happen? But I, I just got a pretty good feeling about the Gamecocks. Barton Simmons put it down. South Carolina more likely to win the SEC East than miss the postseason. I freaking it in. love it. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, we will be back with more win totals. We'll be talking some media days, takeaways, and headlines. Uh, we'll have some quotes from the coaches and so much more. Some 24-7 sports writers joining the show later in the month. Uh, we are just getting rolling. We thank you uh, for subscribing, for listening. Be sure to tell all your friends. Barton, thank you so much. You're the man. Thanks. Thanks.